Hello again, it's Mark Kastner with the Sounder at Heart podcast coming at you with episode number two. I am joined again by Jeremiah O'Shan of No Sadietis and other Sounder at Heart fame. Hey. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hi. I think that's going to be my new catchphrase. Yeah, that's that's going to stick. I'm sure yeah. it will. We can put it on some t-shirts. Yes. <laughs> it's very memeable. Yeah. Because that's... That's all we're about here. Yes. It's memes. Uh, we are also about the Seattle Sounders, who uh, are currently five games unbeaten and having just dispatched the Orlando City Soccer Club. It's amazing how quickly a, a four-game winless streak turns into a five-game unbeaten streak. Isn't yeah. It? When you win two games in a row, uh, that kind of does that. Yeah. After drawing a couple of games. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, before they beat Orlando City, and uh, since the last time our dulcet tones were in your ears, uh, they also beat uh, surging Houston Dynamo 1-0 on Saturday evening, last Saturday. Um, kind of want to talk about both of those games as a as a single entity, because I think... A lot of common themes, I yeah, think, ran I through think, those games. I th- think they were very much it was very much a and it's two teams being taken on in 180 minutes rather than two separate 90 minute well and, and in fact the lineups almost exactly reflected that uh for the sounders at least they had virtually no changes from the houston game to the orlando game with the one change being harry ship for victor rodriguez who came out in the 15th minute of the houston game so effectively, it was the halftime lineup of the mm-hmm. of the Houston game is who started on set on yeah, Wednesday. and and even the changes that came for Seattle in the Orlando game came rather early. One of them was forced by injury. We'll we'll um, talk about Jordan Morris um, towards the second half of this this show. But um, I'm kind of getting the sense that even though it is a five game unbeaten streak. Even though you know they did beat Houston, who at the time were ahead of them in the standings, and it was a comfortable two-one win. Like I think the scoreline last night against Orlando was was flattering to Orlando. I think they probably played a lot better than anybody anticipated. But yeah, um, that's fair. You know they did go up two-zero. They conceded after that very long bar d- delay. Anyways, um, it does feel like even though they've gotten six points from the last two games, that they've left something on the table. Yeah, I think they've left goals on the table. I mean, you can go to the Houston game, and, and you know, Jordan Morris has that header miss he also had. I, I don't think it was as egregious, but he had a very close-range chance that that got saved. And there were a lot of other kind of, you know, Harry Ship had a, had a really nice move and a, a bending ball that was just on the very tip Against of Houston. Yeah, against Houston, that was a, just a very nice fingertip save. And, you know, you, any one of those could have easily been a goal. They had numerous other kind of like half chances that could have been full chances. And I think that was even more the case against Orlando where, you know, they were one pass away from a really good chance and then something happened. And mm-hmm. it usually wasn't something that Orlando forced, but rather the Sounders getting either a little too clever, just being a little too sloppy, just not being as 
as fine of a point, especially in the final third, as you know they were earlier in the year. And I, I think that's both encouraging in a broad sense and frustrating in the moment because like up until they scored their second goal, it just felt like they were just really wasteful mm-hmm. with these positions that they were getting themselves into. And it, and it wasn't like, like Orlando was doing much to throw them off. It was just like just not being sharp in the box. Yeah, like uh, um, it's kind of kind of funny. Um, maybe not if you're Jordan Morris, but pretty much two identical misses against Houston and very, yeah, very <laughs> similar situations where he's kind of he out he does the hard part by yeah out leaping the defender, getting into the space, getting into the space, yeah, and then he. I mean, the, the, the one – I mean, they're both balls you would expect him to finish. The one against Orlando, though, was, like, painful. Like, yeah. Because he it, – it, like, all he had to do was put it on frame. And, and he, he does the opposite of that. And he does it opposite. He hits it straight down. And even then, uh, even with the bounce, he still almost finished – almost – But, it yeah, it bounced on the ground and then, like, grazed kind of the top of the crossbar. Right. Um, and it was a great pass from Brad Smith, though. Let's talk about Brad Smith. Uh, Brad he's, Smith. He's, uh, he's pretty good, I think. Um, yeah, Brad Smith is I, – I, I think he, he's, he's a fun player to watch. I still don't know quite how – you know, I, I don't know quite what his ceiling is, and I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about him is he seems to be getting better in some ways. Like, I think he's better this year than he was at any point last year. I think that you can attribute that to his comfortableness with his teammates. And I guess it's also really good to see him able to pull off the same moves that he was doing with Victor Rodriguez as he's doing it now with Harry Ship or who else, frankly, whoever else seems to be out on the on the wing with him. He talked about that after the match. I don't know if you heard that part. Yeah, he, he did talk a little bit about how uh, he's got, you know, talented players all around him. And, and how, like, when he came in last season, he was playing predominantly with Harry and right. then – so yeah, um, his his ability to adapt with whoever's in front of him, and it's not like Harry Ship and Victor Rodriguez are two completely separate types of players, but right. um, it doesn't take a genius to see that they are different. Quite literally, they are two different people. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, where so kind of an interesting conversation I have about Brad Smith is where would you rank him? in terms of, like, most important player to this team right now? You know, it's an interesting question because I think it's – I'm kind of of two minds on it. On one hand, I think you could probably remove him from the equation, slot Nuhu in, and I don't know that individual results would have changed a ton. Like, I think they probably still win the Orlando game. I think they probably still win the Houston game, although he, he did look good defensively against Houston. Uh, and, and, and you know you just go through the you go through it, and I don't I don't know that you'd find a bunch of results that are going to be obviously switched. But what he does provide is he I mean he's a very good player, and in, in but in like from a purely what's he adding to the offense perspective, I mean he's he's up there with the most influential players. I think I just don't quite know. Like I can't. I'm having a hard time getting worked up over the possibility of losing him, even though I feel like he's really good and I would like him to stay, just because I still feel like he's a value add. 
Like he's still playing a position where you don't the Sounders don't need product that much production out of that position, but it's sure nice to have. And I think that it makes them better. And I think that for them to be at their best, like he, he I think he allows the Sounders to reach a level of greatness that they probably couldn't achieve with Nuhu. Like he raises their ceiling on what they can achieve at their best. Yes. But I also think that Nuhu probably helps like on their worst days, Nuhu is probably helping them keep a clean sheet, for instance, in a way that yeah, I can might see not that. be. Yeah. So if you kind of dig into the uh, the fancier stats that are available to soccer fans out there, um, thanks to much smarter people than me, uh, Brad Smith's usage rate, you know, his touch percentage, you know, those things are um, qu- quite frankly very high for a left back and the way the Sounders offense is operating is indicate is indicating that Brad Smith is rather important you know don't really want to have a podcast that explores the butterfly effect of if he's not there right I I do sort of share a similar uh, opinion that like maybe if he's not in the lineup if Nuhu is in the lineup they're probably winning all the games that they've won they're probably losing the game that they lost. They're probably still drawing the games that they drew. You know, none of those things change. But I think something that Brad Smith brings to the offense in particular, it it does sort of free up. Um, it's, it's something other teams have to think about. Yeah, for sure. I would totally agree yeah. with that. I think he, he provides a he, – he, he forces – defenses to game plan ways that I don't think they would have to game plan for Nuhu. I don't know if they would have to, you know, it's, it's funny him and Joven Jones played the position very differently. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Smith is better. I don't know that I could, I could definitively say that, but they, they provide the, they, they just kind of, but both of them, I think force teams to account for them in ways that, most teams don't account for a left back. Yeah. Like, I don't think most of the left backs in this league force coaches to sit there and go like, okay, how do we shut down this left back? Yeah. It's not something that really happens really on the world, like even on the world stage. Right. Like it's just way down on the, like, and so I guess in that sense, like how important is he from a game planning perspective? I think he is, like probably right up there with Ladero and Rui Diaz in terms of the player that they have to figure out how to stop. Yeah, and that's uh, pretty cool, I think. Yeah, it is for <laughs> sure. Um, kind of moving the conversation away from, you know, the in, the kind of the ins and outs of, of both of those games and, and player-specific focuses. The Sounders have 25 points through 12 games. That's that a lot. That is a lot of points. Uh, they're seven, one, and four. That pretty much ties their best start ever. It is a very good start, full stop in MLS history, even even accounting for the shootout era. And uh, the only better start is um, LAFC, who happens to be playing um, right alongside the Sounders this year, and they're on twenty-seven points through twelve games, which uh, is also very good. Two points better, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. So the Sounders are clearly very good, but there's a 
there's a a feeling around the fan base and uh, and comment sections of certain websites that and on Twitter that it doesn't feel like this team is achieving everything that they can achieve. Would you agree with that? I mean, I I think I know what the consternation is about, and I think the consternation is that for as good as the results have been, there haven't been really since week one or maybe week two comfortable games. Like they've won, you know, like you look at the the Cincinnati game and they gave up the first goal, but, you know, they were leading by halftime. I don't think that game was ever really It still went down 1-0. Right. Uh, But they, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think for very much, they, they were not like, thanks Siri. Uh, I think that's Alexa. No, that's that's oh. serious. Uh, but um, I think you know, in, and then like they had the two early goals against Colorado. They kind of cruised after that. But you know, they, against Chicago, they kind of even though they won that game four to two, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of nerve. Like in some ways, maybe as nervy as any game. I mean, there there was definitely a couple of points where it looked like they might blow that result. Hmm. Um, you know, you, and then you you know they had. What was after that? Like you can go through. I think you could probably go through their whole like the the RSL win. They only won one zero. San Jose game. They go down two. They went down two against San Jose. You, know, you get to go down the down the line, and there's just like a lot of nervous. Mo- like they haven't spent very much time this season up by more than one goal. They've only won three games by more than one goal. Right. They've only won. So they've only won three games by more than one goal. And I would, ga- I would, I would bet that even in those games where they were up, they. You know, where, where they won by more than one goal, they weren't leading by more than one goal for a, a significant portion of the match, other than, than the, like I said, the Colorado and Cincinnati matches. And so there's just been a lot. I, I, I just feel like there's a lot of not quite putting it all together. They're doing a lot of positive things. And I guess it depends on your perspective, because in, in one way you could look at it and go like, man, they're not playing their best, but they're still getting these results, and I kind of expect them to play better. Or you can just be... Like well, if they they have been mostly healthy. These are the pieces that we expect them to have. They're not going to get, you know, there's not a raw Rui Diaz type of player waiting to come in and join this team. And I don't frankly know where that player would even play that would be offer such an obvious upgrade. Like last year, there was a, a way that you could see how well if you can upgrade at the number nine position, as good as Will Bruin may or not be, he's clearly a player that you can upgrade over. Like even mm-hmm. if you're a big Will Bruin fan, I'm a big. I am. We're both with big Will, Will Bruin fans, but I think we know in the world of football, soccer, that there are much better. Like, yeah, I know. I can't believe I just get called out for saying football. That's like the first time I've ever said football. Soccer. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, you know, there's not, and I think that's where the frustration comes from is that it's it, like, like okay, so we can get better. We like, there's not a player that's going to come save the day. Sure. There's no Saint Kufo, and there's not a day that really needs to be saved. No, there's not. I guess that's the funny thing, and so it's like, is is this as good as it's gonna get? I think is that people think, and it's like, yeah. well, yeah, you know, twenty-seven, one and four is pretty good. I think five points in twelve yeah. games. If that's as good as it gets, that's okay. If they play the rest of the year at this pace, they're gonna they're gonna set the points, or at least break the old points record. Yeah, and they could the still lose the supporter shield, which whatever <laughs> at that point. Which, um, and I guess it's funny because they, they aren't going to go. 
they don't they're not dropping points necessarily to like they they can't force LAFC to drop any more points this year. Yeah, so that I guess that kind of brings up an interesting situation. Like the assumption is that something I don't know it, I don't know is going to go wrong. Like there's there's this assumption well, there is of, something that is going to go wrong in the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. But so okay. There is that assumption and, you know, probability that something is going to go wrong for the Sounders. Right. Why do you think Sounders fans don't have that same uh, assumption when they look at LAFC? Well, I don't think that's how it works in the mind of a sports fan. And I think that that's kind of how it, that's it's whenever you're like, I, I understand it. It always feels like this, like people always think the Sounders are the most injured team in the league. Well, I hate to break it to you. Every fan of every team thinks that we're and we're not Sporting Kansas City, <laughs> right? And I mean, all you have to do is look at Sporting Kansas City and look for a team that's more injured than the Sounders, or even right. Montreal or, or some other. Yeah. Right. I mean, so the Sounders are not unique in the way that they are having to cope with injuries or the number of injuries that they're having to deal with or any of these things. And and but it feels like it's the worst because that's who you're paying the close of a, closest attention to, and the teams that you're. The other teams that are you're thinking about are in your periphery. They you don't really know what's going on with them. Or just beat the pants off of you four one. Or just beat the <laughs> pants off of you. I mean, it, like I guarantee there's LAFC fans who came into the game at CenturyLink, especially thinking like, I'm nervous about this game. That's where the wheels come off. Right. And there were a lot of LAFC fans, and I've talked to a few of them that were frustrated after that game because how that game ended up, on you know, playing out. At, they were up a man for a significant amount of time, and then they were up two men for a little bit of time, and they created enough opportunities to win that game. Anyways, I think I think it's important to you know, like. I'm kind of at this weird place where, I and I wrote about this in my column today that, like, every outcome for this season makes sense. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to revisit this discussion, like the next time the Sounders play a home game in with, like seven seven months or whatever it is. Right, in ne- like next season, June twenty sixth, <laughs> literally, right? Isn't it? Yeah, June, June twenty sixth is yeah. the next time the Sounders play a home game. That's five weeks away. Yeah, thirty forty days, something like that. I don't know. More than that, well, maybe. yeah. I mean, in any case, it's it's more than a month away. It's yeah. more than one, and so it's going to be funny to like you know we were talking about this on the press box yesterday. It's like, well, we'll see you on June twenty sixth, and who knows what the se- season's looking like yeah. until then? Because you're going to play four road games. None of them. I mean, they they, they got a Philadelphia Union game. They're going to essentially go reasonably full strength down to Philadelphia, but they're on short rest, so mm-hmm. we don't know for sure what their lineup's going to look like. And then they're going to go to Sporting Kansas City, which, lucky for the Sounders, are probably still going to... go to Dallas first. Good point. They're going to go to Dallas first. That's going to be a really... That's I think, a tough game. No, no, no. They go to Sporting Kansas City. They go to Sporting Kansas City okay. first because they play Dallas on June 1st. So they, they're going to go to Sporting Kansas City, which, lucky for them, is you know that matchup doesn't look too bad. And that's probably the last time that we're going to see this Sounders team until, you know... That's no. That's the last time. It's probably the last time we're going to see this Sounders team because when they come back on June twenty sixth, 
they're going to be a different team. Uh, they're going to either have Joe. They're going to. They're probably going to have. They they may or may not have Jovan Jones and Javier Arriaga at that point, but they're going to be missing some pieces. Yeah. And then when they and then you know and so they, and and then at that point they're going to probably be missing enough pieces that it feels like a different team. And then when they get their whole team back, now you have this. You know, you're even more stacked than you were now. Uh, you're healthier, presumably, than you are now. And and so it's. It's just like it's hard to know what to make of the season because so much I think is going to change. And this, you know, they have this four-game road trip coming up. They get, they're going to play six in their next seven on the road. You know, at the end of that seven that seven games, I mean, who knows? They're either going to be feeling really good about competing for the supporter shield, or suddenly we're going to be talking about like that the wheels come off this season. Like yeah. any of those possibilities are any of those two range of possibilities. Anything inside there? Yeah, and. Last year, at this point, um, through twelve games, um, Atlanta FC, Atlanta United FC had twenty five points, same as the Sounders have right now. Their record was a little bit different. I think they had a couple more losses, less draws, more wins. And the New York Red Bulls had sixteen points. They were nine points off the pace at this point last season. A lot can change. Is that the that's kind of the, story? the that's kind of the point I'm I'm offering, and I you know I offer that in my column that. Literally anything could happen. And I I do think that this next month and a half is going to be really rough for the Sounders. I, But I also think, like, after that Sporting Kansas City game, they could be – they have, could have won four games on the bounce. Like, I – Yeah, I, I think they so. could – absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. I think that they – and that's – I mean, how much does that change? That If they can win this game against Philadelphia and then they can win against Sporting Kansas City – I kind of feel like those that Dallas and Montreal game, which are the two games right before the Gold Cup break, those are two games where they might be down 10 or 11 players from and, international yeah. call-ups, not to mention the injuries. We don't know what's going on with Chad Marshall. We don't know what's going on with Victor Rodriguez. We don't know what's going on with Jordan Morris. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, so, like, there's these injuries hanging over them. Those, But if they, if they win these next two games, I honestly would be – I'd happily trade if they I, – like, I don't care, frankly, what happens in the Dallas and Montreal games if they can get even four points, I think, out of these next two. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's completely possible. And, you know, it's, not, it's, it's worth mentioning that Dallas um, will be in a similar situation with their, um, with their lineup. I doubt they're going to have 11 internationals gone, like – the Sounders could have, but you know, for instance, um, how do you say his last name? Paxton Pomacol. Pomacol. Um, it's just a weird name. That one. Um, he'll he'll be gone. Um, Matt Hedges could be gone at the Gold Cup. They'll uh, Brian Acosta, their um, their DP, will be gone with Honduras. So, uh, you know, Jesse Gonzalez, their goalkeeper, could be gone. Even though I don't think he's that good. Um, like they're going to be missing players too. They also have injuries, so it's not just it's not just the Sounders that have to deal with this stuff. But I do agree that um, we might be seeing a lot of Alex Rodon in our future, <laughs> very near future. <laughs> yeah, I, and I have a column that's going to come out probably around the same time as this podcast that talks about Handwell Abuana yeah. went from being a very periphery player in this team to being. I think maybe the most important player over the next six weeks. Yeah, him, him or Harry Ship. For yeah, sure. him and Harry Ship, 
and I, I suppose maybe Will Bruin you can throw in there too. But I think Bawana is the to me the player who maybe is like the temperature check of this yeah. team. Because and how can, deep it goes. Right, and how deep it goes. Because I think you can assume a certain production out of Harry Ship. You can assume a certain production out of out Will of Will Bruin. Bruin. We've never seen really what happens to Hundwal Buana when he gets, you know, five starts in a row, which I think is probably gonna be what we're looking at going forward. And or potentially we're, what we're looking at, and you know, here's a guy who I think could do anything from suddenly emerge as a legitimate star to being someone that we wonder if he has an MLS career, and and like and I don't yeah I, I think guess five games is too small of a sample yeah, size, I but I think it. like he's not going to get cut as a result <laughs> of this. But I just I think hope not. I like him a lot. I do too, but I'm just saying that I could see. Like that range of results, where, sure. he, where he puts up like five goals in five games, or he doesn't do any, like he has no yeah. goals, no assists, and doesn't do anything. And and so in this in the sense that I think he's gonna be kind of like the bellwether of how this this period goes. And I think he's, you know, I'm I'm excited. I, I am because I, I think he's capable of kind of having a breakout and kind of being, you know, establishing himself in a way that forces him to stay in the rotation even after Jovan Jones and whoever else is competing for his minutes. Uh, yeah, I also think it's important to point out that um, when the Sounders were uh, a dumpster fire early last season, he was one of the bright spots. So, you know, he gets the goal away against um, Toronto, Toronto that puts them up 1-0. Right? No, I think he got the game winner. No, you're right. No, Will Bruin, that that nutmeg that right. uh, Wolf Erickson had was the. You're right. I know, I know, I'm right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, like he showed bright spots last year, and then everybody got healthy, and then they they go on that run. But yeah, I, I do agree. It's a it's a big opportunity for him, and um, he seems he seems up for it. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's you know it was funny in the post game yesterday, he was talking about he. Like, we've had to kind of coax him into doing post-game uh, conversations. He's a little shy. He's a little shy. But yesterday, he had this brightness about him. He seemed to be excited to be talking. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with him scoring a goal. But he was, you know, he he was, he knew what he wanted to say. He, uh, you know, he openly, like, one of the things that I thought was great, like, him and Nuhu are both practicing Muslims. They uh, are both observing Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Um That'll be another thing to actually, like, put like that's a real thing that they that we're gonna have to actually be curious about because they don't eat before sundown. Yeah, so and they ate on the bench. Uh, so they ended on the bench of this game, and uh, and and so I don't know how that would affect things if they had to play an afternoon. Like I don't know, maybe it's easier in an afternoon game because they would just eat late at night. Um, but uh, I'm sure there's all sorts of tricks like that. But it's not a. It's not an. It's not nothing. I mean, yeah. it's not. It's not. And I think it's great that they're they're doing this. And um, and the team is supporting. And them. the team is supporting them. I don't think they did it last year. Um, yeah, I th- I think I remember them not doing it last year. But yeah, I, I felt like they that we we asked Brian about it, and and I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe uh, the current medical staff has a different opinion on on how well they can man they can manage that. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So before we before we head out of here, um, let's talk real briefly about this this upcoming game against Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia currently sits, I believe, in second place. Yeah, in the first, Eastern... first on points per game, but second on points. Yeah, they did not play midweek uh, like DC did, although DC didn't really play. <laughs> That's uh... 35 shots. Is yeah, was... Toronto FC had 35 shots. No and, goals. Uh, Bill Hamid only had what, seven saves. No, uh, he had 12 saves. 12 saves, yeah. Anyways, an- another game where DC escapes with a point because of Bill Hamid. That's a story that you've all heard before. But Philadelphia, um, it's a different team than they have been previously. Um, was it? They uh, qualified I, for the playoffs last year. They did. But they didn't have a home game, but they lost in the first round. And this year, kind of like the Sounders, um, they're putting the points on the board, but not necessarily in the most impressive fashion. So I uh, don't really want to go into – philosophical conversation about the Philadelphia Union. I want to talk about this game. There's another podcast that does a lot of that. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm sure there is. There's lots of podcasts out there. Well, it, it, Emma, uh, Bobby Warshaw, very big fan oh. of the way Philadelphia is doing things. Awesome. Good for him. Yeah. It's just a funny thing that I hear about all the time when I uh, listen to cool. another podcast. Great. The Phil- that I'm plugging apparently on the, the Yeah. Um, look forward to the uh, affiliate link money that we get from that. Right, exactly. Anyways, uh, Philadelphia Union, We the Sounders take take on the Philadelphia Union on Saturday, May 18th, which will probably be tomorrow at the point that you're listening to this podcast. Um, it would be weird if you listen to this podcast after that game. Uh, anyways. Hey, um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not anyone telling anyone what to do with their time. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I, keep, I keep running... I keep taking us down rabbit holes. I don't really want to go down. Right. Um, how do you? Let's um, let's talk about this game this way. Let's uh, give me your projected lineup and tell Ooh, me. You, you shot. You you caught me off guard with that one. Okay. Uh, projected lineup and just a kind of a quick how you see the game going. All right. Well, I think. Rui Diaz, to me, should be capable of playing this game. He definitely traveled. I saw his Instagram. He's at the airport. Good to know. And I would assume that if they're going to bring... Maybe they wouldn't. I guess they brought him to Minnesota and he didn't start. But uh, I assume he's going to start. I assume Ladero's going to start. I think we're going to get probably Harry Ship and Handwal Buana on the wings. I think we're going to get Roldan and Dellum again on and the defensive midfield. I think it's going to look a lot like it did, frankly... After the fiftieth minute or whatever, right? Uh, I I think I don't know. I think Smith, but I wouldn't be surprised if Nuhu were to start. I think they almost have to go with Torres and Kim again. You're not giving you're not giving Johnny Football a shout. I don't know. Maybe Johnny Football. Maybe, I don't know. I'm I'm I don't. I mean, I, the good thing is that Roman Torres doesn't have a ton of mileage on him yet this year. So you'd like to think he could he could pull it off. He looks like he's in better shape. Um, the the one thing that I worry about Roman Torres is the last road game he started was the LAFC game. So that's a that's a. Th- but that was also his first start, right? Yeah, yeah. Like caveats abound, but right. that like I don't know that the, the road. I mean, traveling to I mean they're only in the air. This is a much longer road trip, so I suppose if if road trips do affect him, this is a much more significant yeah one for him. Um, I would be. I'd feel a lot better if it was Kim and Roman. 
Sure. I would too. But I think at right back, I, I'm feeling Saad Abdul Salam going to get the start in that. Okay. Hmm. Like, I feel like Leardom might be someone who could use that rest. He just had rest because of a red card. That's a good point. No, I'm going to say Leardom starts then. Okay. That's a good point. I forgot he didn't play yeah. against Houston. No, it was Minnesota. Oh, then in that case, I don't know. This is going to be his third game in a in a week? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to go Saad Abdul-Salam. Right. That's what I'm going to do. I'm like, going to go Saad Abdul-Salam. That was my first. That was my gut instinct. I'm going with Saad Abdul-Salam. So, what? That's like three changes from yeah. two changes? Two changes. Two changes. I mean, I, I mean, that's my sense is that like, I, I kind of think that because and I and I think part of the the mindset for Schmetzer is, look, I'm going to lose all these guys probably after the Kansas City game. You might as well run them into the ground now. You might as well <laughs> run them into the ground now, and they're going to have a week off after after yeah. the Philadelphia game. Oh, they're have eight days off actually um, after the Philadelphia game. So there's plenty of you know regen time between the Philadelphia game and the actually I guess that's a nine day break essentially um, but there's plenty of regen time so I, I think he's going to kind of you know roll with the team that got him here for lack of a better term but who knows I mean I guess we could be surprised but that's that's my hope I guess that's my hope I'm maybe wish casting a little bit that's fair I think I'd probably go to a similar lineup I think where Dam starts I th- he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet at least for me, um, just because of how reliable he is. I mean, it has nothing to do with. I know. I know. I, I know. I just think that. I know. <laughs> I know. You literally just explained yourself, Jeremiah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, how do you think the game goes? And then give me a prediction. I mean, if that's the starting lineup, I think they're going to win that game. If they can put out a starting lineup that features. The S- Sounders are going to win that game. Yeah. Okay. I think if the Sounders can put out a lineup are confident with a lineup that features nine, at least nine of the 11, like nine of those 11, nine of the 11 starters from this game, uh, from the last game, I feel really good about their ability to get a, get a win. Um, if they have to rotate the lineup, you know, and I'm trying to think who would they even rotate, right? Like who are the good, like, does Alex Rodon start instead of Harry ship? Does, um, I guess that's a possibility. Harry like, Ship has uh, Johnny Campbell starts instead of one of the center backs. Yeah, New Who starts instead of. I mean, there's. I mean, who do? Let me ask you this: Do you think is it Wingo or Ro- Alex Roldan who would be next in line to mm-hmm. start on the wing? Start. Yeah. Start. I think that's actually Henry Wingo, even though Alex Roldan has more bench appearances. I think Roldan gives you a versatility off the bench that Wingo doesn't. But I think if you're going to start a game, I think it's Henry Wingo. All right. And then, because, and I mean, the guys that we think are automatic starters. Ladero. Ladero. Roldan. Roldan. Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Kim Kehe. I mean, if they, I mean, I feel pretty, I guess I feel pretty good about getting a result, I think. If those four are starting, I feel, and even if it's like Will Bruin at forward, if you... I mean, I would, I would so, think Vuan is almost an automatic starter, right? Yeah, just for the sake of being different than you right now, I'm going to actually start Will Bruin for 60 minutes, and I'm going to bring Rui Diaz on in it's the 60th minute to – it's going to be 1-1 at that point, and he's going to get the, the 2-1 win. I, I, I think I like where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably one of the easier – 
Like that would be an easier decision. Like if if there's any doubts at all as to Rui Diaz's ability to go, I don't think it has anything to do with his. You just want you want him off going against fresh legs late in the game. Yeah, and That's I fair. will also hear you know somebody's right now in their head or maybe out loud. I don't I don't know. They're arguing with me to do the same thing with Will Bruin, and I agree with that too. But well, I mean, I I will say that I think that Rui Diaz is probably of the two players the one more capable of taking advantage of tired legs. I agree. And so I think from that perspective, it probably makes more sense to start Will and bring in Rui Diaz late than to start Rui Diaz and bring on Will like in the 30th minute. Because you're probably right. 60th I mean, minute. If they're bringing him on right, in the okay, 30th for 30 minute. minutes. Yeah. And uh, Bruin, like Rui Diaz is not going to play 90 minutes, I don't think. No. Cool. Uh, score prediction. I'm going to go 2-1 Sounders. I'm going to go 2-1 Sounders. Okay. Uh, that's my idea. I literally just told you how I think the game's going to go. Yeah, I th- um, may have stolen that. That's fine. Um, would absolutely be over the moon with a draw, though. I don't think I would. Be, I wouldn't be over the moon with a draw. I, I'll, I will always, like, always take a draw on the road with an Eastern Conference team. Always. Yeah, always. I ta- okay, I'll, I'll take, I, I guess a draw, because as long, I think what my, from in my vision, I think what you need is you need four points from these next two games. To, and if you don't get that, I think this, the rest of yep. this road chunk, it's more difficult. Looks a lot more tough to navigate. I think they'll win, but I, I am ha- very happy with a draw. Okay, fair. And a loss, I will be bummed. I would be bummed with a loss too. I'll, I don't like losing. I don't. Yeah. Although I, I it's do. F- it's not. It's. It's not fun to cover a team that loses. It's not. We've done it a few times. Yeah, we're used. To, we're actually used to doing that in May, believe it or not. But um, maybe we're a little spoiled now. Anyways, maybe you have anything else that you want to say? No. Okay. Um, thanks for listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast. Uh, apologies about whatever the hell happened there in the middle with Alexa over there and um, some of our recording equipment, but. Um, <laughs> It's the second podcast. We can uh, we'll wor- work out the kinks. kinks yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been Mark Kastner over there. I'm pointing at him. Jeremiah Oshan. Jeremiah Oshan. Thanks for listening.